morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ryan, if I haven't met you, and we're so glad you're here today. Uh, we would like to begin every service with scripture reading, but if you noticed, if you look to your left and your right, you'll see a bunch of uh, professional-looking young men and women. Uh, let's give a round of applause for the scouts. They'll be joining us today. And uh, I was never a scout. I've always wanted to be one. But I, I asked the question, what is a scout? And it's basically an organization that teaches young men and women uh, duty to country and God through community service and an education of God in, in the church. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Maddie to do our scripture reading. Today I'm reading from Psalms 23, um, the ESV version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our service. And if when you came in, you should have received a bulletin like this. And we do this for uh, several reasons. One, we want to let you know what's going on in the life of our chapel here. Um, we have something, if you look on the right-hand side, we have something for everybody in the congregation, whether it's, whether it's uh, little ones, uh, men's, women, men and women's ministry, youth ministry. And the first thing you'll notice, too, is sometimes our service gets a little um, noisy, and we love that. We believe that the noise of little kids in the service is an indication that we are growing, and as you look around, you'll see that this place is getting more impact, more and more packed every Sunday. So we're currently in a, in a teaching series on the excellence of Jesus. We're, every week we're going over the, how the mission of Jesus ties in with his life and with something of excellence in his life, all, leading all the way up to Easter Sunday. So we, we welcome you to come back and join with us as we as we go through this series. And if you missed uh, any part of the series, we record for video and audio when we put it up on a website and more. We'll give you that if you, if you would like to listen to that. <clears throat> our, our chapel is a culture of, of prayer and uh, Chaplain Porter, he's TDY right now, but he heads up the prayer ministry. If you would like to be a part of that, it's, it's probably one of the most powerful things we do is to engage the creator of heaven and earth through prayer. So not something we overlook, but oftentimes it's behind the scenes, but super, super important and powerful. Uh, Protestant Women of the Chapel, we have a robust uh, Protestant Women of the Chapel ministry. You could talk to Jody and, and Jeanette. There's several ladies in here that are part of that. Um, Kate Porter and Maddie Weber invite you. We're doing uh, Excellence of Jesus in Art. So if you have any sort of talent, it doesn't matter what media, what form, um, I'm going to embarrass her, but Jeanette painted this right here. Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, you, you might be into video editing like myself. 
You might, any kind of art, anybody art of any age, and we would like to display that. And you can contact uh, Maddie, who read our scriptures, or Kate Porter. She's still uh, gone today, but contact him if you have art. I'll go down to youth ministry. Every uh, Grady Brown, who's, who's traveling right now, uh, this thing has grown pretty big. And they launched the Club Beyond. If you're not familiar with Club Beyond, their mission is until every military brat believes. It's a Christocentric, gospel-rooted youth ministry. And our, it's just an answered prayer. Because everywhere we go, we want something for our youth. And if, if the most important people in here... I could point them out, it would, it would be the youth. They're, they're, they're our leaders for tomorrow and, and today. So they launched it, and after school, every Thursday, they get out, the, the children get out early, and then they fill this room right here, and I've seen videos of it. It is packed, and it's very meaningful. So if you didn't know that, every Thursday here, and also Grady Brown, his contact information is here. Uh, video social media ministry. So I would like to... I. I the reason, well, I made money for, for school by doing video editing, and I love it. It's one of my favorite ministries to make videos of people and to give it to them, to bless them. I want to teach anybody in here who wants to learn how to do video editing and shooting. I want to give you all the knowledge I know so you can make cool little videos, but mostly bless people as a ministry. So we'll show you what we do, how some of you have found our... our uh, videos through YouTube, and you actually were searching online, and you found our service through that. So we want to teach you how to, how to shoot and how to edit. Uh, children are welcome. I'm part of a men's breakfast and fellowship group. We meet every Thursday at, at uh, Kelly Club at the canteen. The Officer of Christian Fellowship, they meet at the Willenda's house. That's also in Kelly Barracks. Uh, we have children, we have a student's meeting for prayer at the pole, as you see there. But anything you want to know more about, you can just contact us here. Our, our contact information is on this, on this bulletin. Okay, now let's rise again and turn to, to uh, hymn number 597. Hymn number 597, Take My Life and Let It Be. Please be seated. And now we'll hear from uh, the Word of God, from one of our scouts. Good morning. Our first reading will be from Kings 22nd, uh, 2 Kings 22, and found on page 279. And it is verses 1 through 3, 2. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adadiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. And now verses 11 through uh, 13. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest. Akam, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Isaiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. 
The Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in the scroll. We have not been doing everything Emma says we must do. And now, 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 3. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The next scripture reading for today is 2 Timothy 1, 1 1-14. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 842. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Thank you for that. And now I'm going to call our ushers forward for our portion of our worship service where we practice giving.
another thing we do uh, in, our, in our worship service is a time of, of confession and repentance and prayer. And it's really, it's really an important practice. Uh, every single day, every single moment of the day, that we search our hearts and we ask God, is there anything that we need to bring to him that would hinder our, our day, that would hinder our worship? And we get this principle from 1 John 1.9. And 1 John 1.9, it should almost be falling out of your Bibles from how much we use it every day. And so 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to go ahead and practice that right now. And it might be you just in the quietness of your own heart saying, Lord, is there anything I need to confess to you? And then as he brings it to your mind, which the Holy Spirit always does, if you ask God, what sins do I need to, what sins need to be dealt with? It will come to your mind and you confess it to God. Okay? If it involves somebody else, it might, be, it might be a confession to that person later on. But for right now, it's, it's this vertical restoration of right uh, relationship. And then after you confess, if you look at the scriptures, it says he forgives. So you go right into thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. After we confess sins, we don't say, Lord, would you, would you please forgive me? I beg you to forgive. No, it's thank you for your forgiveness. That's the word of God. He promises confession of sin leads to uh, forgiveness. So that's, that's all it is. We'll take a minute to pray, and then we'll continue our service. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you. That, that this day and this age that we currently live in, you've provided a means for constant fellowship with you. That we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, unlike any other, ta- any other time in human history, we can approach you with confidence as royal priests, confess our sins, and get right back into fellowship with you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin and never leaves us hanging, but is constantly showing us uh, places we need to be growing in our faith, things that need to be given up to you, things that need to be put to death, our frustrations, our angers, all of our idols of our heart. So Lord, we confess our sins And we thank you. We say thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, today I pray for Pastor Eric as he opens up the word of God today, pointing us to the excellence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray blessings on this time together in worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really good to see so many scouts here today. And I, I just I can't thank you enough for, for joining together in our chapel family and being part of this, uh, this, uh, this body of Christ here. I want to remind you that actually in, in a few weeks from now, on the, on the 5th of March, 
um, some of the Girl Scouts um, that are going to be that are involved in our chapel service and chapel family are going to be here too, and they're going to participate in the service. It's nice to have so many um, good scouting organizations here in Stuttgart, and I, I I just want to be slow and intentionally thank all of you scouts who have participated in the welcoming back there in your scripture reading, um, Gwen and. Uh, with the, with the music that you've, you've had today, too, uh, thank you so much um, for helping our service. But also our parents. Parents, you are always, always, always working behind the scenes, driving places, coordinating things. And even though I know Scouts tries to be a Scout-run organization, we know the truth. <laughs> and the truth is that our parents, you are the ones who make things happen. So thank all of you. Thank all of you for being part of our chapel family today. I hope you feel most welcome. In Stuttgart, we have um, not only Boy Scouts of America, we call it Scouting BSA today, but we also have Cub Scouts programs, and we uniquely have a a Sea Scouts program. Sea Scouts, as you might know and might expect, the Scouts learn to practice all things tied to the sea through boating, through sailing, and life-saving. And I'd just like to give a quick word of encouragement to all of you who are Sea Scouts today. The reason that I stand here today is because someone who was trained in life-saving saved my mother's life when she was in a boating accident as a teenager and nearly drowned. You just never know when those life-saving skills and the CPR skills will be most needed. So keep your skills sharp. I was really fortunate to grow up in a town that had a, had a Boy Scout program. We had a really large Boy Scout program in Phoenix, Arizona. We probably had about 100 guys, young men in our troop. Um, and I had parents who were deeply invested in the Scouts at the time with Pinewood Derby. And I always had the slowest car. But, um, but we were there. We were representing. Um, we, we did the father-son, cake-baking contest, all those kind of things. And my dad, even though he was a full-time paramedic and fireman, he still found time to help out with, uh, with merit badges. He would show up in his, in his uniform. He taught us first aid merit badge. And I look back on scouts growing up, I can now see how God used the scouting experience to teach me some serious life lessons. Um, uh, one summer I was up at, um, at Camp Geronimo, which is in northern Arizona. A few boys of us went on a hike, and as all boys like to do, Boys like to throw rocks. We throw rocks at signposts. We throw rocks at animals. We throw rocks at trees. And one day as we were hiking, um, uh, my my friend and I, we had some rocks, and we saw the squirrel off in the distance. Hey, let's let's try to hit the squirrel. And the way that it happened is my friend picked up a rock, and the first rock he threw, the squirrel was probably far away, probably to the back of the chapel from here, but hit the squirrel in the head, and the squirrel immediately died. And as we stood over this lifeless squirrel, um, saw its body up close, what started out as kind of a game, you know, wasn't so funny anymore. And real quickly, we were sobered by how fast life can be taken. Um, God grew me up in that moment a little bit as a man. 
There's another weekend um, scouting experience I can't forget. I'll be real brief on this too, but I want to mention it to you. Um, one week on um, camp, we were up near Payson, Arizona, up on the Mogollon Rim, if you know the area. And this is well before uh, parents and adults had uh, weather apps. Um, but it, it was the most miserable experience of my life because on that weekend scouting trip, it rained constant and it was cold all weekend long. It was definitely, as I think back, even those 30 years from now, probably the most miserable experience of my life. I don't know what the adults were thinking. <laughs> I don't know if there's like, these guys, we'll just toughen up these boys. What's a little hypothermia? That won't hurt them. But we slept in wet sleeping bags for like four or five hours. I still remember it was like a creek was like running through our tent. Um, but by morning, the ground was so saturated and the ground was so iron rich and muddy rich that it's like when you put your, your foot down in the mud, it like sucks your shoes off. And several boys, I remember that morning, lost their shoes in the mud. Um, but I vividly remember a boy um, who was a younger boy, younger scout than me. The two of us were so miserable. We were there together. His name was Jeff Frank. He was so cold and he was so miserable. He was shivering and he didn't move because he was so miserable. But that cold, miserable, wet morning, I learned a valuable lesson that has stuck with me through life. And that is when you give another man your hand, when you give another man um, your full attention and you help another man put on his socks, you kind of forget about your own misery. And as Jeff Frank and I walked out of camp that morning, him with just one shoe left on two or three miles through the mud, God taught me that being a man means being a friend. And that's what scouts do. You become the friend that someone needs. You don't wait to become a friend. You become the friend. And that's what scouts do, and that's what men do. So I've been reading through the God's Word, through God's Word, through the Scriptures of the past few weeks, thinking of what might be encouraging to you scouts, what might be also challenging for you. And today I would like to talk to you about Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he's the only one I know who makes dead things alive. And that resurrection really impressed me. It was a historical fact. Eyewitnesses verify that Jesus was dead and then he's become alive. And that is deeply impressive to me. And over the last couple of weeks here in Pat's shop, we've learned a lot of things about Jesus. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is a covering for our sin. Jesus is our hope. Last week, Ryan taught us about Jesus needs to be approached, wants to be approached, ought to be approached with a childlike faith. But there's more than just knowing about Jesus. It's because he wants us to follow him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, words that have been etched to my mind, he says, whoever says he abides in Jesus also must walk in the same way in which he walked. So today, I'd like to talk about following Jesus. I'd like to just read um, part of the first, first chapter of the Gospel of Mark and just make a few observations about what it means to follow Jesus. You'll hear four themes today, which will serve as the kind of the structure of today's sermon. 
You'll hear about baptism. You'll hear about the wilderness. And you'll hear about your message. And you'll hear about your calling. So Mark chapter 1. If you like to read in the Bible, you're free to if you'd like. It's on page 707 in the blue pew Bible in front of you. But Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired serpents and followed him. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God, and I would say scouts of God, may be competent and equipped for every good work. With the Holy Spirit's help, may that be true of us today. So let's begin um, by looking again at verses 9 through 11. Let's begin by thinking about baptism. Again, I'll read verses 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. I think there comes a time in each of our lives when 
we personally, personally must take ownership of our own faith. Yes, what your parents taught you was good. What your parents taught you was helpful. But just as your parents have their own standing before God, so must you. And there comes a time in your life when you personally must choose whom you will follow. And baptism is that opportunity to express, especially for those who know you best, what you believe and who you want to follow. Some of us has grown up in traditions where we were baptized as young children or as infants. And I mean no disrespect if this was your, if this was your experience. I understand Catholic sacraments and covenant theology practiced in Protestant denominations. I'm absolutely sure that God will use your early baptism as part of a good story for your life. But listen fresh again to the text that you heard today. Hear the power of baptism. Hear how baptism engages all of us as a person, especially as it did for Jesus as a grown man. Jesus came up out of the water. Water, it's cleansing feel. Always, as you know, water is a powerful metaphor. And immediately he saw the heavens torn open, the spirit on him descending like a dove, a voice from heaven saying, Beloved, you are my son in whom I will pleased. <clears throat> Baptism. It's powerful. It's affirming. Seeing others stand with you. It's joining a family that you've never had before. It's beyond blood. Baptism takes courage. Baptism is an expression of, of a deep personal conviction in your life. It's through the movements we say, I die in death to sin. I die in death to sin as I, as I lay down in baptism. And as I come up through baptism, I rise in newness of life. It's something I think we miss if we're baptized too young. Deep courage, conviction. Deciding in your life who you want to follow and for, who you, and for what reason. Scouts, I'm not saying here today that you should go and be baptized. That's not my point today. But what I do want to say to all you young men and women today is there comes a time in your life when you need to decide for yourself who you want to follow. It happens at different ages. But baptism is the mark of Jesus' beginning of his earthly ministry, and baptism is how a Christian declares who he or she wants to follow. Okay, second point. Let's talk about the wilderness. Again, I'll recap Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. The Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Forty consecutive days. What do you think about that? Matthew and Luke and other texts give us a little more detail that say that Jesus even fasted 
40 days and 40 nights. What do you think about that? Again, this is Jesus' story. This is not your story. The length of Jesus' fasting, his time in the wilderness was unique to him. Don't feel like you have to copy that. You will hear people, though, baptizing, though, in your life. You hear people spending 40 days in prayer. Um, people take a media fast. Sometimes we do for health reasons. Fasting is deeply important. We don't speak about it enough as a Christian family, I don't think. But fasting is also personal between you and the Lord, and it must fit your body. Don't feel like you have to fit your fast to make it different, to make it look right. Fasting is good and it should be life-giving. But what I have experienced, as I think it might relate to you as scouts today, is that for each man and for each young woman, if you want to move beyond a superficial relationship with God, if you want to be tight with God in a way that you haven't been before, you must meet with God alone. This deep, deep connection that you have with God happens best when you get alone, when you get quiet, and like Jesus did in the wilderness, you get free from distractions. So there are obvious benefits from living in 2023. Lots of benefits of living in 2023, but there are also problems that we have. One of the traps of being a wealthy modern Westerner is that we don't know how to get quiet. You agree? We're trapped in noise. We're addicted to screens. We're trapped in the shallow living that our brothers and sisters did not have when hundreds of years ago, maybe even 50 years ago. Do you feel this trap that we have in shallow living? The wilderness is a scary place. I don't know if you've ever spent time alone in the wilderness, but it is terrifying to be quiet. In Jesus' time, we read of wild animals. We don't have that problem today. But what's maddening for most of us is to spend time alone. I'd encourage you to try it sometime if you haven't. Maybe not the full 40 days, but try just 40 hours. See what it does to your spirit to be quiet for 40 hours. If you do, if you can work through that moment of being quiet and alone with God, you will experience growth like you have not expected before. Like Jesus did when he's in the wilderness, he wrestled down his demons. And that's what you do when you get quiet. You wrestle down the temptations in your life. And you learn to, to rely on the authority of God's word in ways that you have not before. From being alone and being quiet, you merge with confidence that you have not before. Because the truth is, you were never alone. And the truth is that you will have a confidence in your relationship with God that you've never had before. 
So each of us has responsibilities. Each of us has work, we have school, we have home, we have commitments that we do. But if you're able and if you're interested in moving beyond the superficial relationship you have with God right now, put some boundaries in your life with your screen. Make time for the wilderness. Something that I personally learned from doing this kind of sermon study myself is that my screen time should never be more than my wilderness time. I'm going to look on my phone, I'm going to look how much screen time I have, and I'm going to make sure in my life that my wilderness time, my quiet time, is more than my screen time. So, just like Jesus modeled for you, for me, make time for the wilderness. Point number three, following Jesus through your message. I'd like to recap Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of, of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Just a phrase I really want you to hear well in that text. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God. To all my scouts, please hear this in the most respectful, kind, and loving way that I can communicate it and say it to you. But let me say it. You have one life to live. So decide early whose message you want to proclaim with your life. A lot of people proclaim their own message. A lot of people speak their own opinion. It's easy and it comes natural to all of us. That's how we live and how we're raised. You proclaim whatever idea you want. You can proclaim whatever standard you feel like. Whatever message that comes from the spirit of your personality Go ahead and say it. What does it mean to be successful in life? It's easy. Just give your opinion. What does it mean to be right with God? What does it mean to know God? Who is God? Just give your opinion. Some people repeat the messages they hear from their friends. Some people find it easier to repeat messages from celebrities. Sometimes easier just to repeat the message from a crowd. But let me give you another idea. Another way to live your life. And here it is. It's an opportunity, an invitation to proclaim the message of God. Apostle Paul says in this way, he says, to be an ambassador or a representative of Christ Working together with God, he says, we are ministers of reconciliation. I personally think being a messenger of God, proclaiming God's message from your life, is a much, much more difficult message to be able to speak in your life. But because it requires doing the thing that is most difficult for all of us humans to do, and that is to say that there is one message that truly matters And that is God's message, not my own. 
I'm not saying not to have your own personality, not your opinions, not to use your mannerisms and the way that God made you to, to build his kingdom. No. But I'm challenging you to think of what is the most dominant message in your life. And Mark's gospel makes it very clear. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, if you have one voice, if you have one message to proclaim with your life, whose gospel will it be? Whose kingdom will you build with your life? You have one life to live. Our fourth and final point today, following Jesus in your calling. I'd like to read Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 19 again. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, hired servants, and followed him. So all my scout friends here today, over the next five, ten years of your life, you will begin to ask the question which every young man and every young woman, every adult will begin to ask in their life, and that is, what is my work? What am I supposed to do with my life? But there is a deeper question, which many people never ask, and that is, what is my calling? There's a difference between work and there's a difference between calling. And to make a long answer brief, I say it in this way. Your work sustains what you do in life practically. Jesus was a carpenter. Some of his followers were fishermen. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. And as you look around in this room, many of the Christians, the followers of Jesus who you see around us, we work for the government. But calling is a deeper question that begs the question, who am I? What is my purpose in life? To whom do I belong and why am I here? From today's text, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John heard a calling. But what about you? I do believe that Jesus has a unique calling that is meant for you. But it's something you're not going to be able to figure out in one day. Calling is not something you just kind of figure out in an overnight. In fact, after as I was doing this research today and this, this sermon, I, I feel like there's a, there, there's a flow to figuring out your calling. And it begins with the same kind of pattern that Jesus taught us today. First, 
It begins by deciding who you want to follow. Second, after you decide who you want to follow, it takes quality time alone, thinking, wrestling down your demons, spending time alone, getting that confidence you have with the one who you aim to follow. And third, after you spent time in the wilderness, figuring that out, deciding who's the message you want to proclaim for your life. Then, I think kind of calling kind of falls into your life. So my, my scout friends today, if you're at the point of your life, which I know we're young, but if you're starting to think about what's beyond my work and the deeper questions of calling, why am I here, who am I, for what reason am I here, get alone. Decide first who you want to follow. Second, get quiet. Spend some time exclusively with God. Learn his message. Learn the story. Learn the gospel of God. And then, the Lord, I think, will soon begin to reveal his calling to you. The founder of the scouting movement, this man you see on the screen, it's credit to this man named Robert Baden-Powell. From what I've read from him and known from him past by years, he was a man in his own way, a follower of the Lord Jesus. And he spent an awful long time in the wilderness. And I think the Lord, in his own creative way, gave him a calling unique to him. He was a retired British army officer. Actually, he was most famous for enduring and surviving with his troops 217 days in a siege in the Second Boer War in Africa where his army and himself were trapped in an African city. And during his military career, he became a really good cartographer, map maker, became famously good at trapping and spying, And, of course, scouting out the enemy. I also learned that Robert Baden-Powell did not have a father. His father died when he was three years old. Perhaps these circumstances led him to be, as part of his calling, to be the man who God made him to be. But while while he was in the army, he noticed the exceptional courage and work ethic of young boys who were with him in the military endeavors that he did. And he wrote it down in a little practical book called Scouting for Boys. And then in 1903, he wrote another book called Aid to Scouting, which became a bestseller. He tested out ideas on 20 young local boys in England at the time called a local boys' brigade. And then a rally of these boys' brigade happened in London, a rally of these Boy Scouts in 1909, some of the British girls actually showed up at the time in uniform. And they said, hey, look, we're here too. And so they called them Girl Scouts for the first time. And actually, Robert Baden's Powell's sister, Agnes Baden-Powell, helped first organize the first Girl Scouts at that time. And soon, by 1922, if you're interested, about a million Scouts were organized in 32 countries. 
Robert Baden-Powell is buried in Kenya. This is his wish. He got tired of the politics of Europe. Don't blame him. But shortly before his death, he gave this charge and this challenge to scouts, part of which I'll read for you now. Try to hear it in his rich British accent. He writes, I believe that God put us here in this jolly world together. Happiness does not come to us from being rich or not merely being successful in your career, nor by self-indulgence. Nature study will show you how beautiful and how wonderful things are that God has made for you to enjoy. He said, be content. Be content with what you have and make the best of it. And when your time comes to die, you will not be wasteful of your time. You will have done your best. Be prepared in this way. Be prepared. How many of the scouts have carried those words on in life? Robert Baden-Powell, you can see that circle with a dot, um, is on his grave. He wanted to be buried with this map-making symbol. That circle with a dot is a trail symbol that means Safely home. Safely home. So scouts, that's your charge. Be prepared. Choose who you will follow. Learn his voice and his message. Your calling will fall into place. I would recommend choosing Jesus. He is the only one who has scouted out death and conquered it. And will lead you safely home. Ten, till then, seek the Lord with all of your heart. Seek the Lord with your time. Seek the Lord with your Lord with your youthful energy while you have it. Let's stand and let's seek the Lord with our voice. Let's close and sing together, our closing hymn together. Seek ye first. Hymn number 713. 713.